Now we're getting to the bottom of everything. It's time for Mother Angelica. I mean, that's awesome. Answering the call. Answering the call. This world is no place for Catholic chickens. Answering the call. You call that a failure? I call it a great success. Here's Father Joseph and Doug Keck. It's another week and hence another new edition of Mother Angelica Answering the Call. Hi, I'm Doug Keck, co-hosting with our chaplain here at EWTN, Father Joseph Mary Wolf, as we listen to Mother take on some questions mm-hmm. from our classic TV programs of the 80s and the 90s. Always great to see you, Father. And you too, Doug. And as I was walking down to our radio studio here, I was thinking about how this property began, right, with 19 years of prayer before EWTM was even launched. And I think that really is the the essence, really, of this network, right? The nuns gave birth to this. It came out of their prayer life. It came out of their spirituality. It came out of their devotion to our Lord, our Eucharistic Lord. And I think that's colored everything that we do here. Right. And I think that waiting on the Lord, that idea mm-hmm. that you have trust, that just because it's not happening the way you think it should happen, mm-hmm. or as quickly, it doesn't mean it's not happening. Right. Just having that trust in his providence, you know, that he always does provide in miraculous ways as he does, did for this network and continues to do. Absolutely. Some of our topics hold on to your spiritual heart. Things to consider before marrying a non-Catholic. I have to ask you about that, Father. Mm -hmm. We can have joy in our trials and starting things off, talking about the consecration to our Blessed Mother. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Pope John Paul II, he spoke about consecration to Our Lady as really an entrustment. Because theologically speaking, we can only consecrate ourselves to God. But Louis de Montfort is bringing out here, well, we want to do that as perfectly as possible. And how can we do that more perfectly? Well, with Our Lady's help, by entrusting ourselves to her. And, you know, if you do this, get ready, because she's going to put you to work so that she's going to give you things to better glorify God and, you know, and uh, to make make him better known and loved. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, again, Mother talks about the idea, I think is a great story in here about how poor she was and how she couldn't afford things really for her dad, and so she would get the cheapest things she could, mm-hmm. and then she brought them to her mother, and her mother polished them up right. and then presented them to the father. Exactly. That was a great analogy. It is a great analogy. And I think about, you know, when Mother launched this network, she said, let your son, the eternal word, be glorified through this work of your hands. And she did that on a feast of Our Lady, the Assumption of Our Lady, the sisters, the friars, we take Mary as part of our name because we want her to be part of our work, of our mission, because we know we'll only only be all the richer and enriched because of her presence and prayers. And she was the first apostle, of course. So we have consecration to Mary. We have a call. Hello? Hello, Mother. Hey, where are you from? I'm calling from Ohio. And well, my home state. And it's a pleasure to speak with you tonight. Thank you. I wonder if you could tell me, at the beginning of the show, you mentioned that you made a total consecration according to St. Louis de Montfort. Mm -hmm. I'd like you to please explain this consecration, and if you could tell us 
the importance of it for those of us who are laity, you know, not in a religious order. And can you explain how is it different from consecration to the Sacred Heart? We have been consecrated to the Sacred Heart as a family uh, by one of our parish priests and wonder if it's, can we still make a total consecration according to St. Louis de Montfort? Oh, sure. You you can make the, a lot of people make the consecration through the poor souls, which means all their good works go for the relief of the poor soul. And I made the consecration because I thought, as I read it, I read about it, it was, uh, what we say today, the neatest thing I could find. Is that a good thing? Huh? It's awesome. It's awesome. It's one of my greatest consolations. Because what does it do? Well, everything I do that reserves any merit, every prayer I say, every good act I accomplish, every sacrifice, every pain, everything. Everything I give to the mother of God to give to her son. And you say, why do you have to do that? Well, let me tell you. You've done it with your mother a lot. Sometimes if you're in trouble, what did you do? Did you go to your dad? Uh Uh-uh. You went first to your mother. See? You'd say, look, could you explain it to him before he gets hot, you know? It doesn't look like it, like it is. And besides, I didn't mean it. So what do you do? You go to your mother. If there's something you want and you know your dad's going to say no, what do you do? You go to your mother. Say, Mom, could you do this for me? Huh? You got the car finally and you scratched the bumper. What do you do? You go to your dad and say, hey, I scratched the bumper. You better not. What do you do? Say, hey, Mom, uh, I just sit there and it's a red light and this guy scratched my bump. <laughs> now, you know your dad's not going to buy that. Who do you go to? You go to your mother. So we go to our mother a lot. We should not despair going to our mother in heaven. And why do we do that? Well, say, for example, I was very poor, and we all are. We're all poor. And all I could afford was something I bought in a pawn shop, and it's very dirty looking. And, and what would I do? I would have somebody I love polish it up. And then I would give it to my mother, and she would polish it even better. And then I'd present it to my dad for his birthday. Ever do that? Well, that's what the consecration de Montfort does. I give something I have, something I did, maybe very good. And I say, sweet mother, would you polish this up a little bit and give it to Jesus? Looks a lot better than I would give him. And that's the kind of the basis of the de Montfort consecration. And beside that, I have made the consecration for all eternity. But I snuck in something. I don't know if anybody else ever snuck in. I said, Lord, sweet mother, look, I give you everything I do that's good, all my merits, all my fruit. I got a little picadillo here and there, you know, not too hot. Mm. I'm impatient. I'm always in a hurry. I, I want everything done yesterday. You know, I don't take any funny business from anybody. and I'm not as compassionate. I get a list that long. And remember, 
sweet mother, I'm Italian. <laughs> I felt it may make a difference, you know. <laughs> so what do I do? I give her those too. I can't give her only good things I do. I got to give her the ones not too hot. And things I could have done better but didn't. Just got lazy, that's all. Well, she takes them all and she makes them beautiful. She kind of touches them and something that's dull is sparkling. And, and you know what's good about this, that when I die, I won't have anything, not a thing, because I've given it all to her. So I'm going to be there and St. Peter's going to look at me and say, I don't know about this one. <laughs> hmm. And our lady say, She's come with me. <laughs> How's that, huh? That's my idea at the Montfort. I don't know if it's supposed to be that way. But <laughs> it's not written in any book. <laughs> but that's how I look at it. The consecration to our Lord, well, there's no competition. When you concentrate yourself to Jesus, it's everything. Our dear Lord promised many things. He promised that he would do, take care of you, save you from the fires of hell, bless your family. We all need it today. All these little devotions you need in your family. I recommend Our Lady de Montfort Consecration. All of our sisters have made, and we'll renew it tomorrow, the feast of the de Montfort Consecration. Because we want to become holy. We can't do it ourselves. Our sweet mother helps us. Moving ahead, our next caller talks about the idea we can have joy in our trials. Mm -hmm. Hmm, that seems counterintuitive. It does. You know, we recently did the seven last words up at the Shrine of the Blessed Sacrament. And I wanted to tell a little bit of mother's story and different elements that are found at the shrine while commenting on the seven last words. And one of those is, Behold your son, behold your mother, which we did in front of the bronze doors, which have the seven joys and the seven sorrows of Our Lady. But I like the book that they put together, Come and See, that they explain these are the great bronze doors in which you enter the temple, that you pass through the joys and sorrows of this life to enter into the joys of heaven. And so I think that's a beautiful Analogy, Mother says, not all joy, 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 but joys and sorrows were going to end up in that place of delight in heaven. And again, uh, those are the ways that we, again, get refined as if by fire mm -hmm. and uh, to become more perfected as our Lord asks us to, right? And we learn compassion. So from Our Lady, she didn't have to be there. Of course, a mother would be, but she shared so intimately in his suffering and that means to suffer with. She suffered with him, and she was there with him. She was offering with him. And uh, so she teaches us how to have compassion with others and their sufferings, too. Absolutely, and we don't know how that suffering is being used for all those holy souls out there. We can have joy in our trials. We have another call. Hello? Hi, uh, my Hi. name is Susan. I'm, I'm from Connecticut. Oh, and what can I do for you? Well, um... I'm a cancer patient. Uh, I had breast cancer uh, two years ago, and now it has metastasized to my bone. Mm. And uh, right now they say I'm like in stable condition. Yeah. But I just wanted to relate to you 
what has happened in my life since I've had cancer. Prior to having cancer, uh, I would consider myself an average person, uh, not good, not bad, <laughs> caring, not caring, but since, uh, not with the breast cancer, with the metastasized, since it spread, I have, I'm totally unafraid. I do not fear death. I have no fear in my heart. My pain is minute. For what I have is unbelievable. The doc, you look at me, you would never know I was sick. I'm able to function. And every treatment I've had, and it's three years now, I have offered it up to what, the saints, uh, to, uh, to all the saints, and to Jesus and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I say to him, this I offer to you for my sins. Well, you know, that's a very, very good thing because it's grace. The grace of God is giving you the opportunity to see something good in something very painful. And it's a grace for you to know that you can offer all of these things up to the Lord. It's a grace, a big grace. And, and you know, we have pain sometimes, whether we like it or not. And sometimes we make it harder because we rebel. It's never, never too late, never too late to make up for our past. Sometimes our dear Lord will say a simple, I'm sorry, Lord, please forgive me that much. See, because if we have a, a realization, one of the terrible things today is people never say, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm sorry. Because we don't even know we commit sin. Everything is joy, joy, joy. <laughs> it's not. It's not joy, joy, joy. We want heaven here and we want heaven there. It's like somebody having a great time and they peek in heaven and say, oh, I wonder what's around here. Don't go that way. It didn't happen for Jesus. didn't happen for Mary. We're sinners. We have offended God over and over and over. At some point, I got to stop, stop and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I offended you and I love you. And we can have joy in trial, and I'm glad, I'm very happy. And I thank God that with all of that, you're able to keep your joy. And that's a great grace, great grace. There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica answering the call with Father Joseph and Doug Keck on EWTN Radio. And we do appreciate you staying with us as we continue with our program, Mother Angelica answering the call, part two of the show with Father Joseph, Mary Wolf, and mm -hmm. myself, Doug Keck, here as we are each week on our radio network. Let's see what Mother has to say about things to consider before marrying a non-Catholic. Mm -hmm. It almost seems today it's act we act like this is a non-issue, but it's not, yeah. right? Yes, and we all know people where it's turned out well, and Mother talks about that. And I remember, uh, you know, some friends of hers, I was a Catholic and non-Catholic, and they had a happy marriage and family life. The children were raised as Catholics. But it's, an, it's going to be an extra burden 
to that marriage. And that's something to very seriously pray about and to think about. Like Bishop Sheen, he wrote that book, Three to Get Married. So you need something bigger than yourselves. And if you don't have that complete unity in your faith, that's going to be an added burden. Yeah, and I think also a lot of times younger couples, especially in the, wor- in the secular world we live in today, mm-hmm. even ones who have, have some aspect of faith, it's not until they have children mm-hmm. and the kind of the future eternal becomes more self-evident right. that they start to realize that question of, so what are we going to do? Yeah, and that is one of the promises that are necessary actually for a non-Catholic to marry a Catholic. They have to promise that they will allow the children to be raised in the faith, in the Catholic faith. And if they make that promise, they don't always keep it, you know, but if they do make that promise and they keep it, then that can be a source of unity. And often you'll find the non-Catholic spouse will come into the church as well. Right. What about the idea a lot of times we hear, maybe you hear it yourself, Father, now with pre can or another thing, well, we'll let our children decide for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we don't let them decide for themselves what they should eat, right? (laughs) Or how they should be sheltered or what time they should go to bed. Why? Because we want them to flourish. Well, we're not just physical beings. We are also spiritual beings. And so we want them to have the spiritual nourishment for their souls that they need. And that's the reason we give them the faith. They need to pause and think about those things to consider before marrying outside the church. We have another call. Hello? Hi. Where are you from? I'm from Oregon. And what is your question? Well, Mother, first of all, I'd like to praise Jesus for you and for the network. I've learned so much from you, Mother, and I've received so much consolation from the different ministries on EWTN. And I'd like to ask our Lord to bless all of you at EWTN. How does our conscience speak to us on subjects where the Church hasn't given us a definite position for example, I have a, a young daughter who's a beautiful, devout Catholic, and she's currently dating a non-Catholic. And my question is, could God be using her to draw this other young soul to himself and to the church, or should she be guarded in that position and not date him? Well, that's kind of a hard question, because you don't know her, you don't know him. At least I don't. But you see, you ha- it's, it's not that you can't marry a non-Catholic. The church herself will be present there, providing neither one have some obstacles. But you got to be concerned sometimes that are you going to be able to raise your children Catholic? Are you going to be really happy and united in your heart and mind and thought when he believes one thing and you believe something else? See, uh, it's very difficult because if you go to Mass, you're by yourself, then he goes to his church by himself. You see, you can't share because you don't believe the same thing. So I think you better pray over that. And she needs to pray, and he needs to pray. And I think if he talked to somebody and he really understood the church and all her beauty, I can't imagine anybody not wanting to be Catholic if he understood. See, that's your job and my job, to make people understand. That's why you want to read this. You want to read the Catechism. It's a beautiful book. 
and that way you know. Then if you, somebody could share with him or answer his question, see, maybe that hasn't been done yet. And maybe he would change if he knew the truth, see. So I think there has to be a little instruction there. And you have to, if the children are not raised Catholic, it's going to make it very, I know a lot of my good friends married other non-denominational -denomin uh, men or women, and they worked out fine, but they all admit it was very hard, all of them. So I, I would really look at it, because it's not something that you want to get into if it's not going to cause a happy marriage. For example, if you, a friend of mine married a Muslim, but she had to become a Muslim in order to marry him, see? So she lost her faith completely, see? So I think you, you really have to investigate to see, is her faith going to be enhanced? If not, you can't do that, see? It's not ever the best thing to do. It happens. But what's going to happen when the children come? It's a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing. When two religions meet and they, they're not going to get on well, I don't think. Especially with the Catholic Church, I don't think they're going to get along very well. And wrapping things up for this week, another caller talking about holding on to your spiritual heart. Interesting idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know that mother talks here about she'll the Lord of flatten her out. You know, sometimes <laughs> she probably worked herself, you know, to exhaustion. And I visited her many times in the hospital. Right. And um, after she had made that initial kind of recovery, she actually seemed to enjoy it a bit. You know, that she got some extra rest. And she could call you and say, Doug, what's this doing on the network? Or right. There was a whole <laughs> litany of them, in fact, as I recall. <laughs> she had a lot of time to watch. <laughs> but we, really, some of my happy memories were just visiting her in the hospital, and the sisters were there. And it was just, uh, she was taking breathing treatments often for her asthma, which would act up at different times, especially, like I said, when she'd get exhausted. But uh, she always took it in stride and always with joy. Well, I think there are those opportunities when those things happen to us that, that we should take that moment to step back and mm -hmm. kind of consider where am I and what's going on? Because sometimes in the pell-mell pace of our yeah. modern frenetic world, it's, it's, it's tough to realize everything we're doing. Sometimes we can go a whole day without silence, you know, and just peace and kind of reflection. So we need to take heart. Mother's we, words. Right. As Mother would say, hold on to your spiritual heart. Oh, we have another call. Hello? Hello, Mother. Yes. I'm calling from South Texas, and I want to thank you uh, for all the little little angel coloring books we got from my nieces. Praise I God. just had open heart surgery, and I felt bad, and I wanted to repent because I don't pray as I should have, and just being a nominal Catholic, going to church on Sundays, and that was it. But... Uh, after that open heart surgery, it really makes you stop and look at things another way. And I wanted to real quickly pray the divine praises. Sure. One thing is, I like to, instead of with the blessed be, we should say blessed is God. All right. Blessed is his holy name, and blessed is Jesus Christ, true God, God and true man. Amen. Blessed is the, the name, name of Jesus. Jesus. Blessed, blessed is his most sacred heart. heart. 
and blessed is his most precious blood. Blessed is Jesus in the most holy sacrament of our altars. Blessed is the Holy Spirit, our consoler. Blessed is the great mother of God, Mary most holy. Blessed is her most holy and immaculate conception. Blessed is her glorious assumption. Blessed is the name of Mary, virgin and mother. Blessed is Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. And blessed is God and his angels and his saints and in all creation. Blessed is our God, our creator eternal, most loving father. Amen. Thank you for this. Amen. I think I think you got more than a new heart, don't you think? Huh? I think the Lord put in a new heart that's different, a new spiritual heart for you. You need to grab it and hold on to it and and continues to say how blessed is our God. And the greatest gift that God has given you, it seems, huh? for someone who been the nominal Catholic, um, the greatest gift was prayer. See? I can see and hear that that prayer came from your heart, your new heart. If that was it, that was worth the surgery. Sometimes my Lord has to kind of stop us, doesn't he, huh? Oh, we've just gone so fast. That happens to me all the time. I'm just gone, 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 gone. And all of a sudden the Lord flattens me out in bed like for a week or two weeks or I land in the hospital and there I am looking at four walls and I look up at the Lord and say, okay, I got the point. I got the point. That's because we are what we are. But I will pray for you that this new spirit, new heart you have will go on and grow in great love for God. For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.